Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's been a wonderful couple of weeks. This is a this is a bonus episode, two in one. That doesn't necessarily mean this is going to be twice as long. We're just going to be twice as yeah, good. That's exactly means twice as good. But really, how can you increase perfection, right? <laughs> that's twice right, that's as right. Double twice perfection. as perfect. I am the mighty Alaskan you, Jake, and uh, of course my co-host. The mighty Alaskan cougar, but I don't go by that. I, <laughs> when when someone copies somebody that has the in the name, everybody likes to say, "Oh yeah, look at the mighty Alaskan cougar." Like if you wore a gray hat and then I bought a gray hat, people people would say that. Uh, anyway, my name is Benji, uh, going by Guhuluku currently, but my handle is Alaskutan, and those are similar enough that people sometimes confuse us. Always, they always can. You know, they confuse us on Twitter, yeah. but they never confuse us in real life. You know. Yes. Yes, All yes. my friends up there in Alaska know you as the sexy dentist, and I'm just a former <laughs> Alaskan. They've seen those videos that were meant just for internal use only. That was just supposed to be me and, and my wife and, and me dancing. But you know what? You get a reputation, and people know you're a dancer. And you, yeah, you can't shake it, man. You can't shake it. I hear you. <laughs> we've we've both had a couple of good weeks um, to recap. So let's jump in the wayback machine and go two weeks ago. Yes. Let's break down some fun games. That was a good week for you. That was a good week for we me. Did, and we apologize about last week's uh, non-episode. We had some technical difficulties. And uh, I was sick, also thrown into the mix. Lots of things, but we're back. And yes, two weeks ago, I'm just gonna I'm yeah. just gonna jump into the youth because I'm still freaking fired up about it, man. We talked about this being Let's the biggest it. game of the season, right? Going up to Washington, yeah. And uh, I, I said, if we can win this, then we should win out. And dude, we went in, game kicked off, and it looked like a typical Utah team in big games recently. Washington marched down the field on their first drive, like 14 plays or something, and then scored a touchdown. And then we couldn't move the ball. We got a fumble inside the 10, didn't do anything with it, kicked a field goal, and then Washington marched down again, 14-3. People were freaking out, saying typical Utes. But what happened? The seniors stepped up. Zach Moss, who came back for games like this, sacked up, and he said, we are not letting this happen. We came back for this. And they marched down the field, scored, and then it was game on, 14-10. And from that point on, Utah took punches, and they they withheld all their blows, and boom, we just took over the second half and won that game on the road in a hostile environment against a good Washington team. Their record's only 6-4, and four, but they're still – I don't think the record indicates – how good they are. I think they're they're better than than six and four, but they're a good solid team on the road against a team where we just haven't been able to break the curse and we did and it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I watched that unfold and, and I'd said before if I was a youth fan, I'd be worried about Chris Peterson in his brain, in his ability to see things I don't see. And the first quarter looked exactly like that. I was watching them move the ball with ease, and I was trying to look really closely and say, "Man, what did he see? What what weakness is he exploiting?" You know, I mean, they they found guys in the open, kind of in the flat midfield, uh, just their the routes they were running, the the passes were on target, and I said, I. I don't know if he's actually exploiting a weakness here or they're just they just Utah happens to be not up to their Utah standard. I mean the defense looked a little bit weak that first quarter and then uh then they got it together. And then they saw the the defense that we've seen the past 5 weeks where nobody can do anything no matter what they yeah, try. And and I think two couple things we started out with a with a new offensive lineman that everyone's been waiting on, Bam Olaseni, big time Juco transfer. Uh-huh. And we decided to play him in his first game 
on the road against Washington. And bless his heart, I, I you know I, I hate to throw people under the bus, but he had a rough outing. He was letting dudes buy him for sacks, mm. and he just didn't look like he really belonged there. Once they reshuffled that lineup, that kind of that kind of helped us stop the bleeding with not being able to move the ball, and we were able to move the ball from that point on. So I think that was the first thing. The biggest play of the game, though. Well, the, the the play of the game that changed it in our direction, we were down 21 to 13, and we had just fumbled twice in a row. We had been moving the ball, fumbled the ball twice. Excuse me. Like I said, I'm recovering from sickness. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome back. And welcome so back. Washington had the ball. Jacob Eason throws an out on the left side. NFL future superstar Jalen Johnson jumps the route, takes it back to the house for a pick six, and that was like, okay, game on, man. We're ready. And uh, we, we got it, and we, we missed. Well, I think we got the two-point conversion personally, but they didn't have good enough video evidence to, to call it that. And so we didn't get the two points. So it brought us within two points, but in my opinion, we scored, but you just couldn't tell. Anyway, so at that point, it was an even game, and it was back and forth from that point on. Yeah. No, it was it was an impressive outing by the Utes. And, and yeah, Washington's no slouch. I think that's uh, – likely i mean you got usc oregon washington those are likely the the top three toughest opponents utah faces in the pac-12 uh or even you know i'd say even out of the pac-12 too i don't know if byu yeah byu some would argue byu is tougher than usc but but yeah some, I mean, that's, some of them would yes. a tough game and they uh they went right went right through them once things got rolling yeah and you know i mean and, and the thing is so you guys got beat by washington we got beat by USC. Yeah. You beat USC and we beat Washington. So there's no way to tell who's yeah. better. Actually, there, there's... <laughs> it's a Mexican standoff. There's one way, and that's this coming game against Idaho State because that's another common opponent. <laughs> so whoever has oh, a bigger yeah. margin of victory, I haven't even... that will decide who's better than Utah and BYU. That's the really only way to do it, right? Yeah. I haven't even looked into that, which is funny. When it's your team and you have an enormous margin of victory, like let's say, let's switch sports. Let's say it's basketball and it's like almost 100 points. When it's your team, you're like, wow, look at that. We set records. Yay. When it's not your team, it's like, well, those jerks, why would they do that? These are just kids. Let's be nice, you know? Come on. Yeah, yeah. I I do love the, and you're referencing Utah basketball, obviously. This week we had an incredible (laughs) win. And I love how I was like, man, what a bunch of classless idiots. When really... They were just playing a team that sucked, and we just happened to just keep, you know, what are we supposed to do? Just yeah. run the shot clock out and turn the ball over? You know? We had all our walk-ons I, in. I didn't <laughs> I did not personally see a lot of people calling Utah out, but I've been around Twitter long enough to know I'm sure it was there. I'm sure there were people yep. that didn't like I've that. Honed but, my follow, but, I've, yeah. I've honed my follow list pretty well now to where I all the time I'll see someone say, of course, they're all talking about this. I'm like, I haven't seen anybody say that. So that, that tells me I've done right. a good job of weeding out who I follow, you know? I have... I've I've found through the years too. A lot of times, I think people on Twitter just go off on something that they heard like their cousins say or, or like their friend. You know, they'll be like, "Well, BYU fans think this," and it's like, "Well, sure, one or two of them probably." But you can find you can find know. any you can on. find anything you're looking for. If you're looking to be offended, you, you can. can find it. I mean, in real life, on Twitter, whatever. There's enough millions of people out there that there'll be someone to say whatever supports your preconceived bias, right? Here's here's a little tangent, but this is worth going on because a couple years ago I got in, I went down this rabbit hole. I went down the Penn State rabbit hole, which is not a good one to go down because people aren't going to come around. People either absolutely hate Penn State and forever will, or people say, "Hey, all this hatred is misdirected. None of these people were here. Let's give them a break." And and nobody has ever switched sides on this. You're either type A or type B on that situation. But what I'd heard is somebody was saying, "Well." 
I understand it's not the coaches. I understand it's not the players that they're all different people, but the fans, I can never let go of the, how the fans support and the fans, this and the fans that. And I got looking cause I thought, well, you know, that's, that's true. If they're, and, and I don't believe that there is like this consensus typical fan that we're that vastly different from each other. But I got analyzing, uh, I think I looked at like Facebook pages or Twitter follow. I think it was Facebook pages. I looked up Penn state football on Facebook and compared it with Utah football and BYU football Penn State has 10 times the amount of people that follow their football team on Facebook than either Utah or BYU does. And then I got thinking, okay, we commonly, like uh, among the rivalry, will say, oh, don't pay attention to the 10 percenters. But when you have an enormous fan base where your 10 percenters are the same amount of the other team's entire fan base, I think that can get really, really skewed. That's true. That's a good point. And, yeah. and that really changes your perceptions of each That's other. That's a good point. So so I don't even – I kind of dismiss that and say, well, yeah, sure, there's a lot of bad fans. There's a ton of fans. Huh. But anyway. Very interesting. Yeah. So no, that's that's a good point. So back to yeah. So there's there's fans that say whatever you're looking for to support your preconceived bias, right? But back to this Washington game. Right. So it was the biggest. I mean, okay, people are talking about this being the biggest win in the Pac-12 history. I don't know about that because, like I said, it was a five and four Washington. But what it meant mm-hmm. to me um, made it one of the top two or three wins that I've enjoyed in the Pac-12 because Washington has owned us in the Chris Peterson era last year in the Pac-12 championship game. We played them twice last year. They beat us twice. Every game has been pretty close, though, you know? So it's always like, oh, we're so close, we can't get this monkey off our back. So to go there after they had a bye week and to really uh, impose our will after the slow start was awesome because they went up 14-3 and then we scored like 30 of the next 37 points to put it away, right? Mm -hmm. And there were so many key things in that second half that I just love. I love, okay? And what I'm going to really focus on is our quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Dude's hobbled. He's running around on one leg, basically. You can see him limping around. And all year, people always said, yeah, but with Tyler Huntley. Okay, he's a good athlete, but Mm -hmm. could he lead you down the field when you're trailing in a big game that you need to win. That's what people would always say, especially on the radio. Can he make the big throw when he needs to make the big throw? Well, on our last two freaking drives, one, we're down by two. They're both in the fourth quarter. He led us on a 90-yard drive, and it was third and 12 on our own 30, and he had pressure coming, and he had a beautiful third down pass over the top for 40 yards for a first down to Jalen Dixon and then marched us down and then got in goal line and he scrambled out on his bad wheel and and scored so there was that then on the last drive we're up by five we're trying to salt it away um same thing we go 80 yards twice he had third down conversions that were long and beautiful first one was a third down and 12 and he, he threw a pass to Solomon Enos, kind of a slant pass that was right on the hands, and he caught it. And the last one was the best throw he's had. It was third and, I believe, eight, and we're on our own, I think, 40. And he drops back, pressure's coming, he stays in the pocket, and he lofts it downfield before Nakua even made his break. And uh, he he lobbed it down there, and Nakua, it was put in a place where only our receiver could get it. Samson Nakua slid, caught it, first down. A few plays later, Zach Moss scores. Game over. And so Tyler Huntley did exactly what his detractors were wondering if he could do. Could he make big throws in big moments when he needed it? Well, you know what? We're on the road against 70,000 fans, against a team that's owned us. It's third and long. And he made big throw after big freaking throw. And baby, it was beautiful. It was, dude. Okay, so I said I was sick. I was in bed from Halloween night till like Monday, but I got up to watch that game. And so I was really doped off of medication. When Zach Moss scored with three minutes left to put us up by 12, 
I literally had to prevent tears from coming because I was so loopy. I was so high, so emotional. I wanted to cry, man. That's how much it meant to me. It was awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And and yeah, that I I will admit I uh I've been kind of Tyler Huntley on the fence for a long time because you get, coming up, you know, last few years there's legit reason to be to be skeptical of uh, his decision making. He has been just about perfect, like 99% perfect this year. I think most of the time when things haven't worked out, there's there's extenuating circumstances. Either the receiver didn't run his route, his decision making has been on point. His uh, you know, his he's just he's brilliant. He's he really you can to play the game at that level at that speed and make the right decision that consistently. Uh, there's there's a lot going on between his ears up there. He is a brilliant football player. He's it, it, when he's healthy, he's got the legs that help him. I mean, at this level, that that's what you want. Whether or not that translates in the NFL, that's another conversation for another day. We're not worried about that right now, right? Yep. This is just this is what it is. And and if we're Utah, I'm I'm sounding way too much like a Utah fan. Get on board, man. <laughs> I want to say one. we're enjoying it right yeah, now. Loving it. Hey, dude. Here's the thing. I, the thing is, this is the value of a senior quarterback. They always talk about senior quarterbacks because he wasn't making these decisions as a sophomore. I mean, his sophomore year, we right. went six and six, right? And we always pointed to, okay, this yeah. is good experience for when he's a senior and it'll pay off. And dude, it totally has because you talk about him making good decisions. His quarterback rating is in the top five in the country. Okay, we're we're nine games yeah. in. We're most of the season through, and he's still top five up there with Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and yeah. I mean like good players, right? So he's he just makes the right decision almost every freaking time. He has an incredible TD interception mm-hmm. ratio, eleven to one, and he's thrown for two thousand yards, which isn't like gaudy stats, but dude, like you said, he makes the right play. He's super efficient. And when mm. he has to throw downfield, he can. And I agree with you. His sophomore year, there was always there was still a lot of skepticism, even from all, all of us, like, well, did we make the right decision? Because we, we benched Troy Williams to play him, right? So mm-hmm. the whole thought process was this yeah. will pay off later. And he had some skittish moments as a sophomore. But dude, it has paid off, man. And he looks he just looks the part with a senior quarterback. And when Kai Whittingham has a senior quarterback, he does good things. Brian Johnson, another example. We we had some rough times with him, but he's a senior, undefeated Sugar Bowl champion, you know? And so right. it just it just it it just it feels so freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So we took we took <laughs> commanding control of the South that day because we won on the road in Washington and our beloved Ducks took out USC, which we needed USC to get a loss. So now it's dude, mm-hmm. it's it's all in Utah's control. We win out, we're in. In fact, I'm so confident that we did that we're going to that I bought my flights to Santa Clara already for the Pac twelve championship game. Yeah. So it's on, man. Yeah. So what do you like let's worst case scenario, that, that doesn't happen. What do you, do you get a refund or you just go like go on a vacation and just not go to the game? Well, I mean, all my brothers, we bought there's there's nine of us that are going. Yeah. So we'll just go if it, if if for if for some reason Utah chokes it away, which it you know there's still three games to play, um, and 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 USC only needs us to lose once for that to happen. So if yeah. we do choke it away, then yeah, we'll just have a little guy trip for two days and go eat some nice places yeah, in yeah. San Francisco. But I'm fully intending to go, man. I, I think uh, I think this team's different. We've choked away um, games in the past in November, but it's it's different this year. We have the number one rush defense in the country. That doesn't go away. We have yeah. a great rushing offense. That doesn't go away. Those things carry. So I think that those will carry us through any down slumps. Plus, you know, the three t- teams we have left aren't very good anyway, so I think we got this. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be really surprising if either uh, UCLA, Arizona, or Colorado were able to uh, to upset Utah. But you know, that's the thing. From from my view, I look at that and think, oh man, that would be hilarious. And I feel bad for you with your tickets and everything. But but from from the fan point of view, it's it's almost like it takes the enjoyment out of the game. You're like, oh man, rather than wow, we could do this and it's a triumph if we do. It's like, okay, that's the expectation, and it sucks Dude, if we yeah. don't. I was telling my our, our guy on Twitter. Um, Kyle Campbell, why soup? Good dude, right? Yeah. He, yeah. I was talking, tell him yeah, how dude. I just, I, I stress so much during games. Like, I will literally pace in front of my TV for three hours. That's what I do. And uh-huh. Kyle's like, I'm pretty confident I enjoy games more than you. I was like, dude, I'm 100% confident. <laughs> I don't enjoy it at all. It is three hours of stress. Yeah. It is a pit in my stomach. It is terrible. And then uh-huh. I'm just waiting for it to end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, my little guy, I've got a two year old now, uh, Isaiah, and he'll he'll he's like of all the kids, he watches with me the most, and he's so funny because right now, like we're in the middle of the overlap where we're watching a lot of jazz games and a lot of BYU games, and he'll get it wrong every time. He'll sit down next to me and be like BYU, like yelling all excited with like a Donovan Mitchell dunk. Yeah. We're like, all right, cool, man. Yeah, that's good, good times. All right, so to wrap it up, yeah. Utes control their destiny. We got this. Hopefully. Um, let's talk about your BYU Cougars. You got two games to recap because we were on a we were on a I buy, do. so I could only add the Washington game. You got two. Let's start with the the in state yeah. hated rival, Utah State. So interestingly enough, I saw a lot of similarities. Now, like all parables or analogies, there's limitations. I will admit there's limitations up front, but when you look at Utah Washington and BYU Utah State, so many similarities. Like the last two or three times we played. The other team's gotten the better of us. You know, it's it's one we really want to do to kind of make a statement. And then the way the games unfolded, the first quarter and then the second, third, and fourth, it was like they were paralleling each other. That first quarter, I was nervous. And that first quarter, Jordan Love, he looked like the guy, the hype, like it was legit. Like his throws were just accurate, throw after throw after throw after throw. And I said, okay, I see what they're talking about. We're in trouble. This is going to be a long night. If we can hang on and sneak a victory out of here, that'd be great. But then like things just started shifting. The The defensive game plan, which I love, love, love. And I love that so many people on Twitter hate it. Like we've, we've got the worst sack rate in the country or like bottom five or six or whatever because we just don't blitz that much. And fans hate that because it's like – it's like when you're playing Madden on your Xbox, all you want to do is blitz. That's all you do. You pick, like, I'm the linebacker, and I'm going to tackle the quarterback. Every time, that's what you do, and that's what fans want to do. So BYU hasn't been doing that much this year. But our linebacker interceptions, and I haven't looked into this, but I can't imagine of our interceptions, we've got something like 12 on the year, and I think it was like eight are from linebackers, wow. which is awesome. Wow. That's not typically how it happens. We've got uh, Wilger dropping back into coverage, and he's got himself a couple of them. Uh, Fanua has a couple of them, and that that was happening against Utah State, and I love it because it's those it's those short eight ten yard throws where the quarterback's reading the field, making that quick decision, and it's it just happens so fast. He doesn't see the linebacker dropping back. We do it so much, and we're giving these these uh, exotic looks like that. That is what got us the U.S see win which is one of our let's hang our hat on wins that we have this year and to see it then work against Jordan Love who's a good quarterback it got in his head with their fast-paced offense he couldn't he couldn't overcome that he looked worse and worse as the game went on and I think it was this is getting harder and harder it's more challenging I don't know what to do I'm frustrated and then by the fourth quarter he was just flat out inaccurate like his heart wasn't in the game but it's because this brilliant 
what was the one thing I said I wanted from this coaching staff way, way back two years ago? Uh, improvement? Innovation. Oh, yes. Okay, innovation. Jump passes. <laughs> but but I was mostly talking about offense. But this is an innovative defense. This is something that just quarterbacks aren't used to it and is working, and I love it. So, um, yeah, I saw a lot of parallels. It's something where – and I was reading, too, this was kind of funny. Just two or three years ago, someone for the BYU newspaper, Deseret News or someone, they wanted to do a story on what I think is one of the coolest rivalry trophies around, the wagon wheel. And so they said, hey, we're doing a story on this. We want to take a photo of it. Where is it? And and nobody knew where it was. BYU had no clue. They were like, I, it hasn't moved in a decade. It's in a closet somewhere. And it was something that for 10 years, like nobody even cared about because it never moved. And then Utah State has it for the past two, three years, and they've got it on display. They've got their big logo behind it. Everything's awesome. And, and which, you know, they should. Like that, earning that means a lot to them, and that's awesome. So to take it back, you know what? I have no problem with the amount of celebration. It's funny that the haters, the critics come after like, yeah, they're acting like they just won the Super Bowl. Can you believe this? It's like, what do you want them to do? They get this big old huge freaking trophy that they haven't had for two or three years and they're going to take pictures with it. Do you want them to just be like the cool, tough guy, football pose? Like, yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not happy. This is what happy. people be want. Happy. People want them to say, to grab the wagon wheel and say, Oh man, We're, look at the Utes. They're having they're so much better than us. Forget it. That's what people want, man. You know yeah. how this rivalry works, dude. Hey. It's, it's you nitpick every freaking little thing. Like Utah builds these it these is. incredible yeah. kickback uh, throwback uniforms today, and all the talk is up oh, copying Ohio State. Like you know, it's just whatever you can do to rip on the other person. And I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it for sure. But can I say a word about Jordan Love? Yes, man. We heard all offseason how incredible <laughs> this guy was. And those Aggie fans, they were so mouthy Come on, coming on Twitter all the time. In anybody's mentions, they could say, oh, you don't have an NFL first-round draft pick like we do. Jordan love this, Jordan love that. You know what? I've watched several Jordan Loves games this year, and he sucks. He really does. He is not yeah. what he is purported to be. Maybe it was Matt Wells' offense last year that made him good, but under Gary Anderson, he is an average to below average to, quite honestly, a piece of crap, dude. He is not good. He has he has like a 12 to 13 touchdown interception ratio. That is freaking terrible. So what is that? 0.9 something to one touched more interceptions and touchdowns. And he just, he doesn't, yeah. sure, he, he, he's got a, a good build or whatever, and he can throw a good ball occasionally, but his, his decision-making is terrible, and he just does not. I don't care, dude. He doesn't. He sucks. He does not look good. I'm sick of hearing about Jordan Love. All it was is Jordan Love, this Heisman contender. Jordan Love, the best quarterback in the state. Jordan, dude, I could find you a half a dozen high school quarterbacks from Bingham to Corner Canyon to Lehigh that could do better than the crap Jordan Love's doing up there. So Jordan Love sucks, and that's my thought. <laughs> he, I will say, he looks. He's got the arm. He's got the body, and he's got the style. Pocket presence and poise, those are all things that translate in the NFL. So I can see where, like, Mel Kipper or whatever is saying, okay, he's the sixth one off the board or whatever. Like, yeah, he could fit, and he wouldn't be a bad guy to have on your roster because that's the style he plays. However, one thing I think we're seeing, and I don't watch a ton of NFL, but I watch enough to know things are changing in the NFL. It used to be that a guy like Tyler Huntley can dominate in college or even Taysom Hill, you know, just have a, have a great college career. And there's no spot for you in the NFL because you're not fast enough and they're not going to design an offense around a running quarterback. Well, that's changing. They're designing a lot of dynamic offenses yep. in the NFL. And 
I look around and I don't recognize a ton of the names in the NFL right now as starting quarterback. I'm wondering, okay, where did this guy come from? Where was him? Where was he? And I think the way that changes, it's almost like the quarterback is a little bit more expendable because if you're running a quarterback a lot, they're injury prone. And so you got to have a, a, a stable of quarterbacks that can do things. So I, it wouldn't surprise me over the next decade to see the value of a good, accurate quarterback go down, whereas the, the value of having four or five quarterbacks that can all be pretty accurate but also very agile go up, and you design the offense around not just one guy being able to throw it on the dime every time. Well, yeah, you look at you so, look at the way the NFL has changed. It used to be you build it around a freaking running superstar running back, right? Those guys were like super yeah. valuable. Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, back to like Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton. And now like running back's almost the most expendable position in call in football. It's yeah. like if we'll just if you got a good line, we'll just plug someone else in there and they can run the ball. And their their right. li- their career is like two years. You know, like the the a, a, an average yeah. running back is like two years. And so I think you're right. The NFL is kind of going that way. You look at some of these up and coming quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson for the Ravens, you know, he was a runner. You look uh-huh. at Kyler Murray for the Cardinals, Baker Mayfield. It's kind of going that way, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I think I think it's a lot of a I want to say the boomer mentality, but but the people who uh, nostalgia for the NFL of old, they look at Jordan Love and say he can find himself a spot, and he maybe can. And, you know, he's not slow. He just the Utah State offense isn't really designed around a running quarterback, at least that I saw. No. Either either they weren't or they they contained him. Yeah, pretty well. I've uh, I've been super but super yeah. unimpressed with him. So uh, that's my thoughts. Okay, so you guys, super, you get the wagon wheel yeah. back. You get the pictures. You're feeling good about yourself. Then you go next week, game two, against the Liberty statues or whatever they are, the Flames. <laughs> flames, yeah, which is kind of cool. Hey, fl- Flames are scarier than people Dude, give them fan credit Fan the for. flame of your faith, I had, bro. I, had, I like it. It's got, a, it's got a religious aspect. Fan the flame <laughs> of your faith, right? There, there was several months, if not an entire year, where I had PTSD when I would see flames and smoke when I wasn't expecting it. It like there was physically a visceral reaction I had of like panic mode, you know, because I because I've dealt with yeah, flames. thoughts and thoughts um, and prayers to you, Benji, and 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 should we let people? I mean, maybe not everyone knows that story, you know, because we have some listeners that aren't on Twitter a ton. So do you want to you want to just my, my house burned down? Yeah. Coming up on three years ago, my house burned, burned down. Burned down, lost and, uh, everything yeah. he owned. Even he didn't even own a pair of pants. You know, talk about talk <laughs> seriously. Talk it's about true. a humbling experience, man. To know that you have nothing left, and the only way to go is to yeah. go forward. That's an inspirational story, brother. It was funny. And now look, I, I a closet full of clothes. Night. Look at that. Now look at you. Look yeah, yeah. At all these clothes. <laughs> Or a podcasting studio full of clothes. So many clothes you have to put them in your podcasting studio now. It's incredible. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I was laying there that night because I didn't sleep for like three nights after it happened. But the first night I was laying there and thought, I, I, I don't, all I have is the basketball shorts I made. I don't own pants. And I thought, I think the last time I didn't own pants is when I was like a tiny baby. Yeah. And, and I didn't have pants yet. I was like, this is the second time I've never owned pants. But everyone should go through some stage in their life when they don't own, own pants. It's good for you. Uh, Liberty, though. Um, here's what I'll admit. So you guys know that, I mean, Jake's been sick. We've also been super busy. We've got a ton of stuff in our, like, actual real-life jobs and responsibilities. And sometimes it is hard to coordinate our schedules. And with everything going on in my life away from football and podcasting and all that, I just hadn't had time to do a ton of research. And so I... 
going into the Liberty game will admit that I was the casual fan. And the casual fan said, they're Liberty. I've never heard of them. This will be a cakewalk. We're going to steamroll them. We'll be fine. It wasn't until after the game, which was way closer than us casual fans thought it should have been, that people who know more than me started uh, – uh, Jeff someone. Uh, Jeff Hansen, I want to say, was saying, look, Liberty – is not nearly as bad as the casual fan thinks they are. They beat UMass by 40, you know? Like, we looked at that saying, okay, we're going to beat Liberty, UMass, and Idaho State by 40. Well, if one of those teams beats the other one by that many points, then they're they're not terrible. They're not a slap. They're not equal. And so, really, hats off to them because we BYU has been their toughest game all year. I did see a video clip of them prepping for the noise that would happen in Provo, and they were piping Rise and Shout into their practice facility while they were practicing, huh. which is kind of cool, you know? Let's see our fight song playing on the other side of the country to get their team used to it. Their second uh, year in existence at this level, and uh, they brought in uh, Hugh Freeze. They've got a really good quarterback. They've got a receiver that likely will be playing on Sundays. You know, they're not just a team you can just like – ignore and walk over and to see that trajectory they're on i'm optimistic because i love you have to love them if you're a byu fan they're faith-based they're private they're independent and they're trying to emulate byu they look at byu and saying that's what we want to be we want to get exposure we want people to know about us we want to build our brand not just of the football program but who we are the identity the university so they're like our like our true brother you know like our little brothers that we want to give them a hand up and i would love to see if this trajectory continues i mean we look at what boise state did to kind of rise from the nothingness and become a powerhouse I would love to see Liberty do the same thing. And so they're they're on my radar now. I'll be cheering for them. I want to see them over the next decade just get on people's radar, make some headlines. That'd be cool, yeah. I mean, you look at someone like Appalachian State, who's the same type of thing. They rose from division whatever. Now they're like they're ranked in the top 25 for a little while here. Um, exactly. Yeah, um, so the only thing that'd be cooler than pumping in the fight song, uh, your fight song into their practice facility, was if they were pumping in popcorn popping. On the apricot tree, <laughs> that would have been that would have been even cooler, don't you think? Which I want to go on the record and say I absolutely love that. Fans feel very divided about that. I think people are self conscious about it being dorky. But you know what? It's something you can play, and ninety five percent of the people in the stands already know it by heart. And as confusing as can be to people watching, they're like, "What are they doing with their hands?" And they all like this is a complicated thing, and it's like built into the fan base. So you got to use that. You got to embrace that. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is unique to you. I, I belted that out when I was a sunbeam myself, man. Because the idea yeah. that you could go outside and get a popcorn ball that smelled so sweet <laughs> was just incredible. You put that in your game day routine. Heck, dude, I'm not gonna mock it because yes. we've started singing "Sweet Caroline," which is like the most non-football song. <laughs> off all time and other people do it too but dude it, it pumps me up i'm serious when when we're up big yeah. and it's like sweet care like bum 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 and you pump your fist and you're excited <laughs> it's good dude and so i hey i'll get behind popcorn popping for sure uh, i'm just picturing you chest bumping your brother and knocking him down like sending him three rows flying or something oh dude last game uh it was what was it when zach moss broke the rushing record Against Arizona State, he ran. He it was like a thirty-two yard touchdown. He needed like twelve yards, and he broke through. And I was going nuts. Mm-hmm. I turned, he started like punching my brother, you know, in the back. And he turned around and right turned around, yeah. and caught him in the chin, like a, a, a right <laughs> cross. And, he, and then he was pissed, so he hit me back hard. And it was 
It's it's fun. <laughs> Football games are fun. All right, so let's see. So, oh man, Liberty, you're. So how did you break your tooth? Yeah. Well, you'll never believe this story. Actually, yeah, he, I love funny stories. story about that. He did have a chipped tooth his whole life, and it was because of me. Because when he was like four, <laughs> he was in the car and he locked the door so I couldn't get in. You know, trying to how brothers do. And so he put his face up to the window yeah. to smile, and I punched the window and chipped, and chipped his tooth. <laughs> no so way. he had a chipped tooth his whole life because I punched the window and his mouth was right next to it and uh, chipped it. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, so okay, you're on a three game win streak. Yeah. The question I have for you, okay, and this is a serious question, is what yeah. do you do quarterback wise going forward? I I I hear or Anything I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that Zach Wilson's healthy. So what do you do? I you know that's another thing where I'm going to defer to those who see them practice. Uh, and really, uh, anything we want, like bowl game. You know, if we, we if we fast forward to bowl game, it could be a Jaron Hall start, could be a Zach Wilson start, could be a Baylor Romney start, and I'm happy because all three of nobody has messed up anything big time. You know, I mean, they've Zach Wilson, yeah, he's had some key interceptions, but you know what? When you get the most playing time and the most pressure, you're going to probably have that. But Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney have done everything expected of them. Even the running play, like uh, Baylor Romney's second half at Utah State, when when there was a, a seam down, that's when I, I gave him the nickname Slow Dynamite. And I'm glad people don't know me because that's not a nice nickname, but he is dynamite, but he doesn't move nearly as quickly as the other two. But when the opening was there, he like it was almost like slow motion, went down the field, picked up a cool seven yards. It's like, yeah, he he can even do that. How about that's that? That's what I was going to say. When you, uh, when but you, yeah, I like all three of them. When you watch Jaron Hall, or Zach Wilson run. They just look fluid. They look athletic. You know, they look good. When Baylor Romney yeah. runs, it's like, why is nobody catching up to this guy? What's what's <laughs> going on here? He looks kind of flailing and awkward, and but he doesn't. He's yeah. pretty fast for his awkwardness. You know, it's almost like uh, Uncle Mitt, and I don't know if he's actually his uncle, but his uh, relative Mitt Romney gets criticized for being like a robot trying to sound human when he says, like, I'm eating a hot dog or whatever, you know? And people are like, yeah, right, those billionaires out eating a hot dog, whatever. It, but, you know, he says these things to try to, It's almost like Baylor Romney. He can throw like crazy. Like he's very accurate, but when he runs, it's like he's trying to look like a running quarterback, and he's not. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just trying to imitate one. Yeah, so, okay, so you're, you're oh, going to defer oh, to the coaches for who you you play then huh yeah the story there honestly my in my heart i love jaron hall of everything i've seen that's my guy because he's just he's been accurate and i it wouldn't shock me i want to say he's a better runner than zach wilson and to have that threat like with this offense that byu was designed with so many moving parts of of doing this and doing that things open up and so the running quarterback is just a deadly weapon and i think jaron hall does it the best what i hate is he's gone out with concussions on plays that should not take you out with a concussion. I was watching uh, – here's the funny thing. I paid for the year of ESPN Plus to get the Toledo game because I thought, oh, I'll just get a better deal. I'll get it for a year. I'm sure I'll use it. And then I haven't used it that much. And so I was just browsing, and there's, uh, there's the 30 for 30s. So I watched the 30 for 30 on uh, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, the MMA guys. Do you, are you familiar? Do you ever watch those – The UFC fights back in the uh, day. I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, but I haven't seen that specific thirty for thirty. But I know who you're talking about. Yeah, gotcha. So Chuck Liddell was my guy back in like 2006. I want to say when he was supposed to fight uh, someone big. I showed up at a UFC party where everyone pitches in five bucks to watch it, and uh, and I did my I did I shaved my head just like Chuck Liddell, and I had the goatee and everything. Like I was the Ice Man for that party. Yeah. Just like yeah, Liddell's my guy. Anyway, it's it's cool to watch. Uh, and Liddell, sadly, his career, once he hit this certain point, 
any little hit to the head and he was out and the match was over and that was it. And it was just like his brain got to the point where it couldn't be hit anymore. Now, Jaron Hall, we've only seen a very limited action and it makes me question, did he get hit in the head a ton at the high school level because his style of play is running so much? If so, football might not be the best thing for him. And it sucks to say that, but if he's getting knocked out of the game, and the USU game, we it didn't look bad, it didn't look dirty, but he got a hit helmet to helmet. It didn't look intentional, but when reviewing, it's like, well, yeah, that guy led with his helmet. It really wasn't that violent, and he's out. And it just, I don't know. I, I wish him the best. I want him to come back. I want him to not have concussions, but if football isn't good for him, you know what? You go to dental school. You can have a good life still. Just it, sometimes it's time to walk away from yeah, this. From the that's sport. what concerned me is because I'm not a doctor, and, and you are. You're a tooth doctor, right? So you know more about this than me. But I've always heard that once you get a concussion, it's easier to get them going forward. You know, that's what I've been told. I don't know. I could just be repeating some lie, but that's what I've been told. If that's the case, and he's already had two, and he hasn't really played a ton. You know, he's played a couple games. Right. That right. that doesn't bode well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason because they're all three freshmen, and so. Obviously, yeah. somehow they're going to weed each other out. But anyway, okay, so predict uh, coming up for this week, the Utes have UCLA on prime time mm-hmm. on Fox wearing our throwback Ohio State uniforms, and it's going to be lit, <laughs> man. I'm super excited because we've had two weeks off. We've had the high for the big win for two weeks to, to uh, kind of keep us going. UCLA technically controls their own destiny, too. Uh, meaning, if they win out, they win the South. But they're just, you know, what? I don't think they're that good. We're we're favored by three touchdowns, and so I expect to be mm-hmm. like it's been with Arizona State, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Everyone basically recently, I think we go in, we hold them to under fifteen, we score in the thirties, and uh, I we just this this team's different, man. This team has too many NFL guys on the defense to have a letdown. I think, and I think we we win big. Yeah. Rank, this is now the fourth year, the fourth year of hand-painted helmets. Go ahead and rank for me the the hand-painted helmet, your preference, uh, one, two, three, and four. Okay, if I can recall all four of them, one of them was the the last place one was the hand-painted, like, fingers (laughs) holding up the U sign, right? That's definitely the last place last place. place one. Uh, Third place, I would put... I don't know if anyone saw this. If you guys followed me back in the day, you can crop the the picture that the Utah released of that. You can crop it just so that that actually looks pretty vulgar, like, like yeah, like graffiti. Yeah, it looks and like someone sure graffiti no the helmets I'm sure no and drew. One did that in the day, but maybe you can find it. No, so that's number did. four. Number three, in my opinion, would be the black drum and feather one. It looked like an Indian, more Indian version of the drum and feather. Really? That was three. That's number three. Because number two. I'd, I'd put that as my number one. Oh, really? But let's hear. Why is that three? Number, well, because number two and one I like better. <laughs> so number okay. two okay. is the winged helmet last year. And everyone got a rise out uh-huh. of that one because one observation you made, which nobody made, was it's the underside of the wing. You think they'd paint the overside yes. of the wing, which I thought was interesting. But I've seen it in person, and it is just like – it looks so I've held it in my hands and it's just so vibrant and cool looking. And I know we have nothing to do with bird wings other than our, our stupid mascot, but it just looked to me, I love the look of it. I always liked the the, the Philadelphia Eagles helmet growing up for some reason. And so that's just like yeah. an Eagles helmet with my team's colors, and it's just really cool. So that's why it's number two. And yeah. number one I gotta come back so Go ahead. 
Wait, wait, no, don't, don't take it because we got it. Before we move on from that, uh, last May I had the chance to take my camera with me on a trip to Utah, and I spent two or three days around Bear Lake, and there was a red-tailed hawk around oh. there, and I had this really, I had a sweet lens with me, and I did a lot of photography in Utah on a red-tailed hawk. I should send you the pictures because I, I can't share them on my Instagram because it's not Alaska, and my Instagram's Alaskan themed. Send it so to me, and I'll be, be the, like, I'll be the, red-tailed hawk. the mighty Utah Ute uh, photographer. Yeah. I'll put it out there, but but what I wanted to follow up with was in general bird photography. Like if I'm photographing an eagle, yeah, the top side of the wing is beautiful, and you want that kind of on the wing that's farther away from you. And the bottom side typically looks ugly because it's like white, and it's what you should see from the ground and the sky camouflage. A red-tailed hawk does not have a very pretty uh, top-down view. Oh, really? Like the underside of the wing is the better side. And and after taking several pictures of the red-tailed hawk, I thought, yeah, I, I bet they got it right. I think they put they picked the right side. That of the is wing. inside information you can only get on this podcast. That is that's, that's incredible. Right, no that's one else right. can tell you about the red tail hawk's wing from the top to bottom like that. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, and my number one is this year's hand painted helmet because I love the UU logo one, and I love the fact uh-huh. that they made it look like it's game worn and retro. They painted scrapes yeah. on it, grass stains. And it's just silver, and it's beautiful. I just, just, it just, I just love it this year. So that's my order that I did off the, off the, off the cuff right there. Those are my hand painted preferences. The in addition to the to the game worn look, the ear cover thing, you know, on the old helmet that used to kind of bulge out almost like a wheel well cover on an old truck, you know, and so they put a little shadowing there too, like an artistic license, like trying to make it look three D as though the helmet was still shaped like the original yeah. ones, and I think that's pretty Dude, cool. No, I, I, I like I think that. They look sharp this year, and here's the thing. Is we have a plethora of uniform combinations, especially in the last six, seven years. We just do. Um, I and we in our main uniforms are always have some stupid, fluky thing like topography lines or mountains mm-hmm. or stripes that don't stripe. And the thing about these throwbacks is they're so classic. Just a just a stripe down yeah. the pant, a plain jersey that says Utes on the side, and a silver helmet with the. It's just they're classy looking, and I love them. I just I just mm-hmm. think they look really good. Yeah. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome game. Lit in the stadium, as the kids say, in our brand new uniforms, uh, ranked in the top 10 and playing for the South. And dude, I honestly feel like, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I feel like if we just make it to the Pac-12 title game, I think, personally, it's Rose Bowl for us, period. Because I think if we win, Mm -hmm. I don't think we jump Alabama just because of the... The, the bias. But if we lose, I still think Oregon has enough cachet where they will jump Alabama and be in the playoffs, and then we yeah. go to the Rose Bowl. So my opinion, personally, is if we just get there, we're going to the Rose Bowl, which is pretty awesome. I can see that. I can see that. You know, from a national, I listen to the national guys when I'm driving sometimes, and yeah, Oregon's only loss isn't bad because it's SEC, and there's an SEC bias, and they'd be like, well, yeah, it was an SEC game who's not terrible. And so I, I think Oregon does have a lot more um, of a national resume just because it's the SEC. Um, Plus, let's be honest, they have a, they have honestly, more of I a national you, brand too. I mean, they've been in the national championship they, they, game four years ago. They have the they have the national brand. I think that's why. I don't, I don't know. Personally, I yeah. think that's, that's, that will get them in. But I, I think Utah is a better team. And, and it could be one of those things where Utah winning helps Utah but hurts the Pac-12. You know, if, if you're going to send one ambassador and you didn't even care about the teams, you'd probably say, let's hope Oregon wins. So, you know, and then the conspiracy theorists can run wild with that saying, okay, well, what's going to happen if uh, if the refs are going to be under Larry Scott's thumb and say, all right, got to make sure Oregon gets in. That Man, prepare. It's going to be – I'm calling it right now. 
chaos. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. It's fun. All I know is, dude, I think you're right. I think Oregon's good, but I, I just our defense. And you always, I always hesitate to do common opponents because you know each game's different. But I just, as you watch Oregon, you don't get the sense they're the dominant on either side of the ball. They're good offense, mm-hmm. good defense, but Utah has a dominant defense, and I think that carries us. But I don't want. We'll, we'll break down the Pac-12 title game if and when we get there. So Utes against UCLA yeah. this week. We went in the 30s. They're in the teens. What about your Cougs? Uh, yeah, what's the what's our high water mark? We have to beat the we we just got to beat Idaho State by more than Utah did, and then hey, hang a banner after that, right? Yeah. In fact, let me tell you what what, what you, you got to. Yeah, that's really the only way at this point to to compare the two, right? <laughs> no, I I expect BYU to have a lot of fun with this one. I I think this is senior night. You got to shut out uh, Idaho State. We shut out Idaho State. They didn't score a point, so that's what, that's what we'll put it on. If Idaho State scores All against right. you guys, Utah's the better team. If if you win by a bigger l- yeah. margin, BYU is the better team because that's really the only way to determine it at this point. So <laughs> there's no other way. So that's yeah, I like that. So so that's goal number one is just beat Utah when we play Idaho State. Um, so they've had a stressful season. You know, there's been ups and there's been downs. The coaching staff, the players, I, they've earned the right to just go have fun with this game. I want to see them win, but I want to see them play loose, have fun. Not so much fun that they totally blow it, but this is when we can take a deep breath, relax. You know, just just go enjoy the game. Um, Stress-free football is the best, man. For it's sure. When you can go just enjoy the game knowing you're not going to lose, it's the best. The state of the two programs, too. This has been on my mind lately, too. And and I know it's and I'm not going to call anyone out for hating the rival. This is football. It's a rivalry. You can hate each other, but it's caused me to reflect when you're teaching the lesson. Because our kids uh, the other day were asking, okay, what does it mean to covet? You know, and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to explain that because it's like, well, let's suppose our neighbor has this awesome boat or something like that. Well, it's not wrong to just to want a boat. You know, you can want a boat, and if someone else has it first, that doesn't mean, oh, I can't want that, or that's a sin, or that's wrong, you know. But if you look at that and say, I want the boat and the neighbor to not have one, that's when you cross a line, in my opinion, to getting into that's not a healthy way to look at life. And man, oh man, as a BYU fan, if you got the blinders on and you're just looking at BYU's program, it's fun. I love independence. I love these exciting matchups we've been getting, which sucks to say right after Liberty because people make fun of me for that. But to look at the season as a whole and say, man, we played Tennessee, we beat them, we played USC. We're doing all these cool things like year in, year out that we didn't do before. We've got exciting players who are committed to the program. And then when you have weeks like the Utah State Week when they just show up and take care of business and dominate, this is a healthy program and everything's awesome and I love it. Now, if you look over the backyard fence and you see what's happening with Utah – Oh, man, that would be nice. And that's awesome. Like, I would love for BYU to be in the discussion of the playoff, in the discussion of the playoff rankings top 10, anything like that. Like, obviously, like, I'm not going to lie and say I don't care about that. That would be stupid. Of course I care about that. And, of course, I want that. And the, the line that I draw is, can I be happy for my friends that are Utah fans and not say I want that, but I also want you to not have it. So there's your Sunday school lesson for me for the day. Dude, you know what? It's actually, there's some science behind that that thinking. I'm listening to this podcast called The Happiness Lab by Dr. Lori Santos. She is a, um, a, a, um, a professor at Yale University of Cognitive Sciences, the way the brain works and stuff. There's some studies she referenced. It's pretty amazing about these lottery winners, okay? So they, they follow these lottery winners, but they also followed their neighbors. So if you win the lottery, like within five doors of that winner, they are more likely to buy a brand new car that year 
than those people that didn't had neighbor didn't win the lottery. Subconsciously, they see their neighbor having the success, all this money, and so they go buy a brand new car. And the closer you get to this house, so the next door neighbors, it's like 60% chance they'll buy a brand new car within the year that their neighbor wins the lottery because, you know, they're affected by their neighbor's success. So very similar, like you say, you know, you, you're having fun, you're, you're winning games, you're seeing some improvement, but then you also look at, oh... My neighbor just is, you know, in the playoff discussion, and it's frustrating. So there's science behind it, you know. So it's, I, I totally get why you feel that way. But yeah, man, let's just uh, let's enjoy each other's success, okay? I'll enjoy what's going on in these playoffs. You enjoy your your young team coming together, and we'll we'll kumbaya together. That that is, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Someone was listing everything, all the contributions that are being made by freshmen and sophomores. Man, that bodes well. I mean, we we really do have a lot of interceptions, a lot of tackles, a lot of receptions, a lot of touchdowns. Like we've got, uh, we've got awesome. Like I love Micah Simon. You know the senior contributions, Aleva Hifo. Like they're they're doing great. Which he might be a junior, but but we've got upperclassmen doing great things. But man, the freshmen and sophomores, that's exciting. Like like we're everybody talks about. Oh, look at next year's schedule. How can you expect them to play against that? After what I've seen on the weeks where it clicks. After what I've seen against uh, Boise State and Utah State and looking at the personnel and the coaching staff we have going forward, bring it on. I want next year's schedule. I'm confident. I think I don't think we're going to win them all, but it's going to be fun, and we're going to surprise some people, and we're going to have exciting games on TV, and it's a good time to be a fan of this school. It's a better time to be a fan of the other school, but it's not a bad time to be a fan of our school. Football's fun, man. It's, a, it's the best sport there is. All right, brother, let's yeah. wrap this up. Okay. Uh, we will see you all next week. Any last thoughts? No, no. I think I have <laughs> said too much. I think right. we uh, good episode, good good podcast, good good job. You too. Good job to you. We'll see you next week. Go Utes. Go Cougs.